fourth watch starts now. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight is going to be a Fourth Watch exclusive interview with the man who was detained for standing up and rebuking the congregation in the middle of a service at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church. This is his first time speaking out publicly since the event. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Fourth Watch Exclusive Apostates Rebuked with special guest Bruce Pepper. One of the largest and most successful churches in our nation is teaching heresy to the world at an exponential record-breaking speed. It's no surprise that someone felt such a strong conviction to infiltrate and rebuke the congregation publicly. But what we see differently about this particular man is that he came in with a message. He wasn't just coming out publicly to call names or to draw attention to himself. No, he came in with a message of repentance. He came in with a message of true salvation and a warning to the people that were there in attendance at the Lakewood Church that night. But what we're going to learn is that this wasn't an ordinary service, but this was a special, demonically charged, Unitarian service, being led by a very peculiar person. The man that has created such a buzz online, with the video showing his passionate act, is ordained minister Bruce Pepper. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and go to the line with Bruce to get the full story. Bruce, welcome to the Fourth Watch. How are you tonight? Very well, brother. Thank you so much for having me today. Amen. I just got to say, this is so cool. You made a video, uh, and and you know it's crazy because this video has just gotten so much, created so much buzz on the internet of you attending a Lakewood service at Joel Osteen's church, and you stand up in the middle of what just sounds like a demonically inspired ecumenical universalist prayer and you stand up and you start preaching the gospel and then all of a sudden you get hauled out and I'm watching this video and I just I got so convicted I got so convicted that I needed to contact you and share your message with more people and and the, the bigger thing is is that I wanted people to be able to hear what took place right from the mouth of the man who did it and I mean, this, this is, this is just, this is, I can't even tell you. <laughs> now, I've got the video right here, and we're going to play the audio here in a minute, but can you just, I want to start, can you paint the picture of what was happening? What was this service? What was taking place? What are we hearing here? What was this lady saying and praying? Because can you just tell what was going on that day at Lakewood? Well, what was going on that day at Lakewood, they call it a, um, it's an ecumenical prayer and worship service is what they tag it under. And, um, what it, and what it really is, is it's a one world religion conference. 
And these people are so duped that um, they really don't even know or understand what it is that they're, that they're being part of, what they're being brought into, what they're being primed for. So we just, we were going to go outside and preach that, that night. And, um, we just ended up inside of the building. You know, the Lord had a bigger plan than what we knew about. And the woman was a, you know, she was a lesbian Presbyterian or Methodist preacher wearing like one of those long robes, like the Pope. And she was wearing a rainbow feather boa. And it was just a very grieving and sickening, um, service. And I didn't really know what was going to happen or if anything, well, what was going to happen, you know, I was just trying to be led by the Lord. So, so this lady, th- this woman, she comes out dressed like the Pope, like a female Pope, and she's wearing exactly. a rainbow colored boa. Exactly. Now for people exactly. who, for people who may not know what a rainbow colored boa is. Now I- I'm going to try not to make jokes here. Okay. Because it's my nature to make fun of things, uh, and I'm, I'm working on that. But this is a very serious, th- these are serious offenses. I mean, we're talking about a woman dressed like the Pope, wearing a boa, the same kind of boa that you would see in a transvestite drag queen strip club. Exactly. And she's standing up, reading off a universalist prayer at the pulpit of Joel Osteen's megachurch. Yeah, that's exactly correct, brother. And I have no problem calling it a church. Okay, because when we go back to scripture, we see we hear about a Laodicean church. You know, the the name church. I mean, it's a gathering of people who are being brainwashed at this place. It is definitely a church. There's definitely worship going on. But the question that we have to ask, are they worshiping the real Jesus of the Bible? Yeah, they're definitely not, brother. They're worshiping a a man made Jesus. Goes back to that Hallmark card Jesus that I've talked about. Everybody wants this little soothing Hallmark card Jesus that basically showers people with golden rays and, and feeds people cake and milk. And they don't want to hear the real Jesus of the Bible because the fact is the real Jesus of the Bible didn't put up with this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, the fact is if the real Jesus were here today doing what he did 2000 years ago, they would tell him, Hey, you're not acting like Jesus because they don't oh, know. Yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, for real. I believe the same thing that happened then would happen today. And it was the church people who murdered him then. And it would be the church people who murdered him today. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. And they would do it in the name of Christianity. Yeah. Now, I want to go ahead and play the clip. It's about a three-minute clip. We're going to play the clip, and we will reconvene here in three minutes. And then we're going to go back, and we're going to we're just going to bring the whole story out. To try again and again to make peace, even when peace eludes us. We ask, O oh God, for the grace to be our best selves. We ask for the vision to be builders of the human community rather than its destroyers. We ask for the humility as a people to understand the fears and hopes of other peoples. We ask for the love that it takes to bequeath to the children of the world to come more than the failures of our own making. Okay, now real quick, I just want to paint a picture. Bruce is standing up right now, holding his King James Bible high above his head, and he's turning around looking at all the people. 
And this lady is just reading this prayer and people are goo goo gaga. We ask for the heart it takes to care for all the peoples, the peoples of Africa and Asia, the Americas and Australia, Antarctica and Europe, and especially for those in the Middle East. Give us the depth of soul, O God, to constrain our might, to resist the temptations of power, to refuse to attack the attackable, to understand that vengeance begets violence, and to bring peace, not war, wherever we go. For you, O God, have been merciful to us. For you, O God, have been patient with us. For you, O God, have been gracious to us. And so may we be merciful and patient and gracious and trusting with these others whom you also love. This we ask through Jesus, the one without vengeance in his heart. This we ask forever and ever. Amen. And then we also hear in song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Say it with me. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I pray in the name of all that is holy. Amen. saw there towards the end was a group of secret service looking agents. (laughs) We saw a group of these guys just, just coming out of the woodwork and they literally, I mean, I, they, they just forced you out. They forced you out and, uh, you continue to preach. Now what the video doesn't show you, you shared with me on the phone last night. You said that you had quite a ways to walk to get out of the auditorium. Yeah. They continued to lead me out and that took, I preached for probably one more minute after that as they led me out and um, was just just seeking to say what God would have me to say. Amen. I want to just say that one of the things that we talked about last night, and it really does stick out, when you look at the video, the people that are standing or are sitting around you, they just, the majority of them barely even notice you. You're preaching at the top of your lungs. And they are so pacified by this demonic spirit. They're just right. looking forward in a gaze as if they're worshiping whoever's on the stage. Yeah, it was. That's one of the things now that when I go back and I look at it, that just really flabbergasts me. You know, if 
if I was in church on Sunday and a maniac stood up behind me and started preaching, I think I would turn around and see what was going on. At the very least. I mean, it's just your human what? instinct. Your human instinct says, what is this? What, 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 what am I hearing now? What's going on behind me? There's a disruption behind me. But no, no, the most of these people literally, uh, in the, in the terminology, it's like a baby grappling for a breast. You know, uh, it's like babies. That's all they do. I mean, babies live to feed that, and cry. And these people are just grappling to be pacified with that demonic breast milk. I know I said I wasn't going to say that on the show, but I really feel like that's a great analogy. They're definitely mesmerized. They're, it's just on a different level. You know, you could hear the music. You could hear the... It, they, all they were is they were part of the atmosphere. That atmosphere was was very, I mean, oppressing and demonic. And it was like, you know, it was like people watching... Um, you know, watching the Super Bowl or something. You know, they are just glued to it, but in a unnatural, unnatural way, for sure, to say the least. It was, it was unnatural. Well, but we're dealing with familiar spirits, demonic spirits, and and really, like you said in our pre-talk, it's not about what we see in the video. It's about what's not seen in the video. We're dealing with a force, a spiritual warfare force of demons that have seduced. We're dealing with seducing spirits. These people are being seduced on a weekly basis by a message that is not accurately biblical. And folks, I want to say this for the record. I've got countless stories of people who have written me. They've gone to some of these conferences. They've gone to some of these uh, what they call fire revivals, these different, these strange fire revivals where people are teaching a different Jesus and they're claiming to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And what they're doing is they get so deceived because the spirit is so strong in this room and it's not the spirit of God because the things that are happening are not biblical. When we look at the scripture, we see what a biblical act of the Holy Spirit is. We see it. But what we see going on in these places, they're teaching a different Jesus, and that right there tells you that whatever signs are following are not done by the real Jesus. He is not going to act out when a false gospel is being taught. And people have told me, they say, if we did not know any better, when we were at these meetings, we would have been so deceived by the spiritual power that was in that room because it felt so real and it was just a pure counterfeit. It was so close to the real feeling of God's spirit. But we knew in our heart, because of our discernment, that it was demonic, and they said we got out of there. Amen. You know, I was thinking about a portion of scripture this morning. It was when the devil went to Jesus after Jesus had been fasting. And the devil said, you know, if you're hungry, make these rocks into bread and you can eat. You know, he was using a false gospel. He was using a half gospel. And then Jesus would answer him with the part that the devil was leaving out. The devil said, make these rocks into bread, and then you can fill yourself. And then Jesus said, God says, I shall not live by bread alone. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a bastardized gospel they're preaching. And it's a gospel to make men feel good. It's a gospel that um, you can live your best life now. Well, my Bible says 
that men who seek to save their life are going to lose it. But those that will lose their life for my sake and for the gospel, they're going to find it. That's what happened to me. You know, that was my salvation story. When I gave up, when I gave up on myself, when I gave up on Bruce Pepper, when I had to have God no matter what it was going to cost me, that's when I was changed. That's when I was born again. That's when I was delivered from mental illnesses and addictions and and worldliness and lust of the flesh. That's when those things were brought about. And I had been preached, I had been preached one false gospel after another from a youth. I was brought up as a Catholic. I went to confirmation, first communion, private Catholic school. And, um, once I got out of school, man, I never went back to church again. You know, I had never experienced any real measure of the power of God. God is powerful today. Amen. I was bound in I was bound in all those addictions. And um I knew that God was real and I always had this one scripture that would come back to me. You know, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. And I was like, well, God, if you're the same, why, why can't I be healed? You know, why, where's my healing? Where's my, where's my redemption? And it was, it was lost. It was lost in all these false doctrines and false teachings that I had been taught. I had never been brought to a place where I realized that I truly needed repentance. You know, the Bible doesn't say penance. It says repentance. That's right. You know, so I I lived in a um. You know, when I when I sought forgiveness before in a confessional or, you know, then I was still leaving defiled. You know, all the hell marys in the world never soothed my conscience, and but when I got a hold of the real. I knew that everything had just been changed. My physical countenance was changed in the matter of a few minutes of prayer. And um, three mental illnesses that were brought on, brought, in by, brought on by sin were healed. I was beyond the health of any man and much to do with all my problem. It was a sin problem. But I was never taught to deal with sin because I had I had believed all these false teachings. You know, I was doing what I was told to do, and I was as miserable as I've ever been in my life. So, and that's the same thing that we're seeing here, though. That that's what they're teaching at Joel Osteen's church. That's what they're teaching at countless megachurches across America. We're we're having this this half truth. You know, like goes going back to to Satan trying to, you know, get Christ right. to give into temptation, you know, they're, they're giving a little bit of the scripture, but they're not giving the rest of it, you know, and it's kind of like the woman who was caught in adultery and the Pharisees all wanted to stone her and they were trying to trick Jesus. You know, the Pharisees were always trying to get Jesus to fall into some sort of contradiction. And they said, according to the law of Moses, we should stone her to death. And what did Jesus say? He said, okay, sure. The, the, the one of you who has never sinned cast the first stone and it really, it baffled them. And so they walk away. Now this is the part of the scripture that a lot of these 
these megachurches like to teach. Jesus looked at the woman and said, said, I don't condemn you. And then they stop. They stop right there. Okay, well, great. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. But what did he finish with? He says, go and sin no more. Amen. And, um, and he meant it, and he will equip a man to do exactly that. And if a man can't go and sin no more, then that basically makes Jesus a liar. We are able to go. We are able to turn our back on sin in those times that we do willfully act against him. We're able to repent, a true repentance, meaning, Lord, I plan on never doing that again. With your help, I'll never do that again. I'll never partake of that again. I'll never say that again. And he's faithful, man. He's well able, you know, to empower a man. You know, just like when I climbed under that altar, when I got under there, brother, I was helpless. I was at the end. My prayer was, Lord, I don't deserve for you to save me. I am the worst of the worst. I was an outlaw biker, um, basically a gangster. And um, I got down under there. I was at the end of my rope, which I had been many times before. But I said, Lord, I don't deserve for you to save me. I deserve for you to kill me and to throw me into hell. But I said, there's only one way that I'm getting out of here. And that's, I said, Lord, you either kill me here or you save me here. I said, because I can't get up without you again. I can't go on without you again. And, and something happened, brother. I was born again. I got up. 25 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol stayed under that altar. Amen. Three certified mental illnesses stayed under that altar. I was, I was a new man. I didn't talk about the same things I used to talk about. I didn't go to the places I used to go about, go to. When I got up under there, I was sinless and I was perfect before a righteous God because when God was looking at me, he was seeing his son. And um, I was everything I was supposed to be at that moment. You know, he's well able to, to set men free today. But it's this false gospel that leads men, you know, that leads preachers into fornication and atheism and everything else. Men who stand up there and they preach this devilish gospel they preach this hyper grace. We've got to um, just take God at his word, man, because he is a man of his word. You know, and the thing about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, I think this is, uh, you know, we, we are going to miss the mark sometimes, folks. I, I don't want you guys to think that we're telling you guys that you're never going to make a mistake because I make mistakes. No. You're going to make mistakes. But when when you do sin, if it doesn't break your heart, if it doesn't prick you at your core with conviction, I'm going to just tell you, you really need to get down and pray that God would restore conviction in your life. Because when I, I mean, honestly, a, a true follower of Christ should be completely hurt in their heart when they fall short, when they, when they do sin. And, you know, we see these churches that are filled with people who are living deliberate, sinful lifestyles, you know, and they can repent. They can repent if they're not a reprobate. And I'll be careful saying that because I know some people are going to get upset with me. But, you know, there's a point where somebody becomes a reprobate. 
you know, and, and, you know, God, God is sovereign. I mean, he could still call someone into repentance who is a reprobate, but generally speaking, a reprobate, they're, they're completely involved in, in deliberate sin and they have no desire to change. See, we have to have a desire to change. We have to have a desire to repent of our sins and to take part of that sacrifice of Christ. That, I mean, before Christ, animals had to be sacrificed. There were specific little details for this type of sin or that type of sin. You know, praise God that we don't have that anymore. Praise God that he cared enough for us. He loved us enough to send a once and for all sacrifice that no other blood could ever be shed that would ever compare to the sacrifice made on Calvary that day. None. There will never be another sacrifice that will even come close to reaching what Jesus did on the cross that day. But I, Amen. I, Amen. I just have to say, you know, this is this is the real gospel. The real gospel is, yes, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. You can read about that in Romans chapter 3. But the important thing is that we come to Christ, that our sins are paid for. You know, and, and I'm telling you, you're not going to be perfect. But you need to just have a relationship with the Lord to where you do get convicted, to where when you do miss the mark, you do fall into sin. Or let's just say an old an old pet sin of your past tries to pop up as a temptation. Maybe you put yourself in the wrong situation. You went somewhere you shouldn't go. And all of a sudden you're getting tempted with things of the flesh from 20 years ago. The Lord can give you a way out. He gave Christ a way out right there in the desert, you know, when he was getting tempted by Satan. He had a way out and he took the way out. Now, yeah, we've got to be willing to take that way out. Right? Exactly, and that's that's part of the the walk, you know. And again, you know, uh, it's hard to get into the topic of tonight, talking about the video, talking about the apostasy. It's hard to get into that without getting into preaching the gospel. So you're, you're you know, folks, you're going to get a mixture of preaching and discussion. So you're in for a real treat. <laughs> Praise God, we're going to preach the Amen. gospel. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about what happened. Okay, now. You, you told me the story of how it all came about. You knew that there was an ecumenical universalist service that was going to be going on that day. So tell us, right. tell us how, you know, the start to finish. Just fill, tell us the story. Okay. Well, it's kind of just to touch base. The Lord had been working in a particular area of my life. You know, when, when a person is full of the Holy Ghost, I had been trying to personally decipher between me and the Holy Ghost. You know, what is Bruce and what is the Holy Ghost? Is this my idea or is this Jesus' idea? You know, and this has been something he had been working in me for, for quite a while. You know, being able to realize that it is the Holy Ghost. This is Jesus telling me to do this. This does, and, and, and when he does tell you to do something, it will always line up with Jesus' character and it will line up with his word in the King James Version Bible. Amen. Now if, the Ho- now, if the Holy Ghost is telling you to do something, and it does not line up with his word, if it contradicts his word, then you can know that's got to be Bruce. That's got to be me. That's right. So, so anyway, this is what he had been working in me. I had a man that I had been uh, ministering to. He was living in my home with me. And he told me about this ecumenical meeting, basically a one world religion conference, bringing men together with common goals, supposedly bringing the churches together with common goals. And it does have common goals. 
And they say that it's in the natural common goals. You know, let's go feed the poor. Let's go minister here. But the underlying common goal is demonic. So my roommate had told me this. And just as soon as he told me, I was very convicted off the scale. Like, my God, somebody has to go out there and warn those people. And um, we go out, me and my pastor's church, and we go preach on the street on Friday night every every Friday. And um, I brought this before him. I said, Pastor, uh, they're having this conference at Lakewood Church. And I said, I, I believe that the Lord would have us to go out there and, and stand for him tonight. And um, he prayed prayed on it today and let me know that that's exactly what we were going to do. And I've got some on-fire, wonderful brothers in the Lord here. And um, one of my brothers, I'm like in there working under the sink or something. And um, he comes over, Brother Pete, and he tells me, he goes, Brother, I had an idea today, and I wanted to know what you thought about it, having to do with going to Lakewood. And he's, and he's a character, man. So I was already like, oh, Lord, what's he going to say? <laughs> and um, he says, uh, yeah, he's from Poland and Georgia. So he's an interesting fella. So he's coming up with some off-the-wall stuff sometimes. So I'm in there working under the sink, and he says, brother, he goes, I think we need to go into that church and get booted out of there. And, you know, that wasn't definitely not the proper way to put it. But I knew what he was getting at, that he thought we needed to go in there and preach the gospel inside of the church. And when he said that to me, I honestly felt like I had just been stabbed directly in the heart. And um, I got up from the work that I was doing and I uh, just felt like I needed to go to prayer. And um, so I went to prayer and he continued working on the sink for me. And I went in and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I really couldn't get firm, firm direction or confirmation. But I did know one thing for certain. I knew that God wanted a man inside of that building that night. I knew that God wanted me to go and he wanted me to go inside of that building. Amen. So basically the only direction I got is he goes, wear a suit and take your big Bible. But that was crystal clear and apparent. Wear my suit and take a big Bible. I was like, well, that's pretty pretty generic, Lord, you know, you're wanting me to go in there and stand in front of thousands of people or whatever, and you're just telling me to take the Bible. So I went in and we went through the worship service, which was repulsive. The music was wonderful, but, you know, there was just blatant error from beginning to end. You know, there was like transvestites in the choir that I could, you could just see them you know, transvestites in the choir. So we're sitting there and we're listening and we had been in this thing for a long time. You know, it had been going on for an hour and I was thinking, man, you know, this 
service has to just about be over with. You know, <laughs> they have these um, different men get up and preach and pray. And I was flabbergasted how smart they were and how sly they were and how slick they were that they were doing what the devil did to Jesus. They were preaching a half gospel or they were preaching a three quarters of a gospel. And you know what? If a man didn't know his Bible, he would have been deceived. That's right. Because it sounded absolutely perfect to somebody who doesn't know the full counsel of God. It sounded perfect. And um, so this lady starts praying and um and I'm just sitting there, Lord, if you want me to do something, you're going to have to let me know what it is. Because basically, I'm sitting there, and I'm shaking in my boot, you know. What's, and, you know, is all of this for nothing? Is this going to be over with? And then the Lord's going to have me leave, you know, which at that point, I'd have probably been fine with. But he tells me, he says, get up. And hold your Bible over your head. And, you know, automatically the devil whispers in your ear, man, you are going to look like an idiot if you stand there and stand with that Bible over your head. And I was like, well, I've looked like an idiot for a lot crummier causes than this. So I stood up and I held that big giant King James Version Bible over my head. And the Lord tells me, he goes, just to make a slow turn. And he said, anyone who looks at you, make eye contact with them, look them in the eyes. So that's what I did. That's what I did. I just, everyone who was looking at me behind me, there was a large group of people behind me and everyone I was able to, I locked eyes with them, turned back around. I got a testimony later from a man who had, who had been there. And he said, when you stood with that Bible over your head and when you locked eyes with me, I've never been so terrified Mm. in my whole life that the fear of God came upon me. And then I just didn't even know what I was doing there anymore. Then I felt like I just had to flee. And, And that's what he did. He fled. He left the building. I wished I would have kept contact with him, but I pray to God that he just never went back there. So that was a one little testimony I received just from that part of it. So I turn around. I'm still standing there with the Bible. Her prayer is closing. The music was slowing down and quieting me down. And he just says, now open your mouth. And I opened my mouth and, and you heard what come, came out, you know, just basically exalting the Bible, telling men to search for the truth for themselves, to not believe what's being spoon fed to them, to seek your own salvation with fear and trembling, to, to find out the truth for yourself that you're being deceived that this, what you're sitting in the middle of, is what b- the Bible talks about, a one-world religion coming to, coming about. And that's what I was in the middle of. It was 
a thousand people calling themselves Christians that, you know, that are the synagogue of Satan. Mm. And, you know, this, this one world religion that's being brought together, you look about all the things that are going in, going on in our world. It doesn't take a genius to see that, that the Lord is on his way. That's right. All I know is that I better be ready today because whether it's today or whether it's tomorrow or whether it's 10 years from now, when he does split them skies, it's going to be today. We've got to be a people of today. You know, my pastor said something funny and, um, you know, there's lots of post trib and pre trib and, pre-wrath and post-wrath and just on and on and on. And he says that he's pan-trib, P-A-N-trib. What that means is if you're prayed up and if you're looking for God to come back today, then it's all going to pan out in the end. And um, that's, I try my best to, to stay in that place, to just live today like like the Lord could come back and and truly, I believe that he could. We see all these multiple agendas that are happening right now. ISIS killing thousands upon thousands of Christians. You know, Hamas killing Christians. Television preachers being brought together by the Pope. The Pope is bringing all these TV evangelists Everyone who watches these TV evangelists are being brought together into, into one church, into one religion. You know, the Supreme Court legitimizing homosexual marriage. And that's part of it. It's all part of it. It's all being brought into one thing. The reason the majority of these people are deceived is because they want a feel-good gospel. They want to feel like they're saved, and they want to lead their best life now. You know, which I led a great portion of my life like that. You know, but my Bible says, he who seeks to save their life, they're going to lose it. But those who are willing to lose their life for my sake and the gospel, they're going to find it. That's you right. Know, so all these churches are being brought together. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you, you just to say in the video, you said something that was so powerful and, and, and it's hitting right on what you're saying right now. You are being primed for this one world religion, this one world order. You are being primed in your church by your pastors for this one world, satanic, demonically inspired one world order and one world religion. Amen, brother. Listen to this scripture. It's in 2 Timothy 4, 3. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, it's their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So the reason they go there is because they want their cake and they want to eat it too. They don't realize what's going on behind the scenes. They don't realize what's driving this force, this satanic force that's engulfing the entire planet right now. 
And um, just like in the day, in the days of of Jesus's trial, these people are being brought in and brought together. The agenda that's running the whole thing—it's an agenda of hell, and it's basically bringing them all together. And they're willing. Love is love. They're willing to love everything except for a man that's willing to stand with God, stand with the King James Version Bible. That's the only man that's not going to be allowed in this system. Those are going to be the men that are going to be, that are going to be taken out. They're going to be thrown in jail. Now, real quick, I just want to, I want to backtrack real quick on something you just said, because this is, this is, we're going to go right back to the text uh, in second Timothy chapter four. When we get to, Verse four, it says, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Right. But it doesn't stop there. Verse five says, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Yes, sir. It all works together. It makes perfect sense. The people who are recognizing these fake churches Okay, the people that are recognizing this false doctrine, we're going to suffer afflictions. Okay, we're going to suffer afflictions. But Paul is telling us, continue to do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Because we know that when we call out these doctrines, and, and these are three verses back to back. So they're, they're all part of the same call to action, the same warning. We will suffer afflictions, but Paul says, endure them. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of that ministry. You yes, know, sir, man. Tomorrow it's going to be preacher Pepper. The yeah. day after that, it's going to be somebody else. The day after that, it's going to be somebody else. It's coming. It's coming to knock on our door. It's going to knock on the doors of those you love. There ain't nobody that's going to get around it. It's just a precursor of the end game. You know, of the devil's end game for for Bible believers. You know, and I, I just want to throw something in there. And I know the, the purpose of the show is not to go into too deep into the homosexual agenda. But I, I really feel like we need to I need to hit this. You know, people who are who are on the fence about this and they think, oh, well, love is love. Love is love. You know, the fact is, we do love the homosexuals or else we wouldn't oh, be yes, trying sir. to correct them if we did not love the people who are pushing for this gay marriage. If we didn't, you know, and, and here's the deal. If we didn't love them, we wouldn't be trying to teach them what the word of God says. If we, if we, if we hated them, we would be supporting it because we don't want to see them perish. We want to see all men, all men come unto the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So it's yeah. not about hate, but I want to take everybody back. One of the early shows that I did, many of you probably haven't heard this. I, I did put it up on my Spreaker page, but I got into the New World Order blueprints, which dates back to the Illuminati blueprints. Okay, and, and this can be validated. If you guys want to look into this, the Illuminati had a had a plan with actual steps in order to bring about the New World Order. One of those steps was to diminish the family system. Now, to diminish the family system, what do you do? You bring out a homosexual agenda, 
because obviously that's not a normal family. Okay, now call it a modern family, whatever. That's not a historical family. Two men can't reproduce. Two women can't reproduce. So what they do is they destroy the family unit. That's the major step. That's a huge step in bringing about a new world order. And, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I can't really put two and two together. You don't have to. This has been outlined in the blueprints. So destroying the family unit is a huge part of the new world order agenda. And we are now seeing it being forced. They're forcing the breaking up of the family unit. I just want to throw that out there. And I don't hate homosexuals. I want to see them come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. And 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 that's obvious to anyone with any spiritual discernment. You know, it's no different than than if I was a drug addict and you coming and banging on my door and shaking me and saying, brother, I love you. You're killing yourself. These drugs are going to kill you. You know, it now somebody might be standing out on the street. And think that you're that you're a wild man over here beating on my door and and shaking me by the collar, but you're not. You love me. If I'm driving my car towards a cliff, and and some man is out there screaming, "Stop! Stop! Stop what you're doing! Stop what you're doing! Stop! Hit the brakes!" You know he ain't doing it because he's a wild man with nothing better to do. He's doing it out of concern. And, and that's why we do the things we do. That's why we preach against what we preach about is because we care about them. I'm not homophobic, man. If the Bible said homosexuals go to heaven, then I wouldn't be preaching about it. That's right. You know, if, if the Bible said drunks and liars and fornicators and adulterers and idolaters, if it said they go to heaven, then I wouldn't be preaching about it. But my Bible says, go out, lift up my voice like a trumpet. I was a very unloving person my whole life. I was a very angry, wrathful person. I hated everybody equally, you know, because I hated myself so much. It wasn't until I I came to know and love Jesus that I even really truly knew what love is. I had a man just yesterday contact me about the video and um, he said, well, you sure weren't friendly. And I was really just meditating on that. You know, I was trying to figure out what his purpose was and it wasn't friendly to him because he gets his definitions from the wrong place. You know, you look up the word love obedience and belief in the Bible where God's definitions come from. And those three words are interchangeable. And basically if it says, if I love the homosexual, I'm going to tell them the truth and try to bring them to belief in God. Absolutely. No, it's just a fact. I mean, look at a fireman. Okay. If a fireman, let's just say a group of firemen, I just, I have to say this and I, I, this is this is just a group of firemen roll up on a burning building and they look up in the window and they, they look up at the top floor and they see people, kids playing. You know, they're throwing their ball around. They see grandma rocking and the building's on fire, but they don't know it's on fire because they're all the way at the top floor. And they're just, you know, they're just pacified. They're playing their games, doing what, it, what you know, whatever it is they do. If those firemen 
got in the truck and drove off and that building burned down, you better believe those firemen would be seeing their day in court. They would be seeing their day in court and they would say, why didn't you go in there and do what you were taught to do and save those people from that burning building? They didn't know the building was burning. You saw them up there, but you drove off. You had every means necessary. You had your truck. You had the water. You had the hoses, the extinguishers. You had all your gear. Your armor was on, and you chose to drive off and let those people burn. I think yeah, that's a pretty exactly, clear analogy. Exactly. We see that we see the house on fire. We see people that are at the top floor of the house don't even realize that their house is on fire. We've got to stand exactly. up. We've got to show real love, biblical love. Not not some greeting card love, but the love of the Bible to truly you know, love. It's it's no easy thing, brother. It's no easy thing to um to be hated by men for the gospel's sake. You know, because it says the servant is not above his master. They hated me, they're going to hate you. And that's very true. You know, all we're doing is we're not telling them what our opinion is. We're telling them what God says. You know, and now now I believe it a hundred percent. Amen. And I believe if they don't repent that they're gonna that they're gonna go to hell. But the reason I'm out there, the reason I do what I do is is because I love them. I don't want them to go to hell. And I'm gonna take it you know, further. You I, were willing I to go to, to make heaven. You were willing to go to jail. You were willing to do jail time to be able to stand up and preach the gospel. At that's, Lakewood that's Church. Right. That's what that's what people don't see in that. They see it by the natural perspective, oh, that's unloving. You know, that anything anything that reveals sin, oh, that's unloving. You know, they they take it Jesus is this Santa Claus that just pours love on everything, no matter how vile. You know, and God God says, I'm no respecter of persons. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If you reap to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. Amen. And can I, I want to say, I want to draw us back to something real quick, because you were faithful and you did what you were called to do. And you were willing to go to jail and pay fines in order to share the gospel. And, and even if that one person that contacted you, that one man that you locked eyes with, if he was the oh, only one that got convicted, it was worth it all. Oh, amen. It was, brother. But here's the thing. Lakewood Church is known for arresting people and pressing charges. I mean, we're dealing with a huge government corporation here, literally. And many times in the past, they've arrested people. They've pressed charges to the full extent of the law. And you knew you were going to jail. You just knew that you were about to go to jail. Now, I want you to tell that that really awesome ending of your story about what happened as you were being hauled off. So they they led me out the back door, you know, the men in the suits. When they led me out of the sanctuary, standing right outside the door was five of Houston's finest standing there waiting for me. And they knew which door I was coming out. They were in contact the whole time. 
So I come through the door and I go right from the security guard's hands into the hands of the police. You know, they're, they're leading me outside. And I was figuring once I walked out of the building, then the cuffs were going to get slapped on me, you know. And I really was just, man, I was overjoyed. You know, I was like, well, I've, I've spent, I've been thrown in jail on the wrong side of the law more times than I could count on my fingers and toes for doing what was wrong. This time I was going to go for the Lord and I, and I, and I considered it a blessing Amen. and I considered it a privilege. And, um, so they led me out the back door. They said, where's your car? I said, well, it's there in the parking lot. He goes, well, go get in it and don't come back. Wow. And, um, so I was standing there and I was, I was really scared to turn around and walk away. <laughs> I was really scared to turn my back on him that I was going to get the, get the billy club on the back of the head or, or the taser. So I was really scared to turn, turn my back and walk away. So I was just looking him dead in the face. I said, are you serious? He goes, absolutely. So at that point, I turned around and walked away and went and got to my car. Man. I believe 100%. It was totally of God. It could have definitely gone either way. I was, believe me, I was a happy man walking back to my car. I had um, eaten a big dinner that night because I figured that would be the last good dinner I got for several days till I got home again. <laughs> So I, I'd already eaten a good good meal, figuring I was going to be in jail for a while. Man, that's just that, that's the hand of the Lord. That, that that is clearly an act of God right there. Because I mean, you you just Google search people arrested at Osteen's church. They don't play around. They are strict. They are to the book. They will press charges and they do arrest people. I mean, it, it's there's no question about it. You knew you were going to jail, but God had other plans. Yeah, thank, thank goodness. But I'm just, I'm just happy he gave me the courage to be faithful. You know, you and I had a conversation last night about some of the demonic practices in, in just many of these churches, where they will, they will teach people the gifts. You know, we'll come on down here. We're gonna, we're gonna work with you. Come to our prophecy school. We're gonna teach you how to prophesy. We're gonna teach you how to speak in tongues. We're gonna teach you the things that the Bible says are specific gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, you told me something kind of interesting about Lakewood Church. They have one of those classes to teach you to speak in tongues. I picked up, you know, I was trying to gather up as much literature and stuff like that, and they've got a tongue speaking class. And so you can go in there and I guess in a matter of days, they'll teach you how to speak. They may be speaking in tongues, and they may, may be speaking in a spirit, but it sure ain't no Holy Ghost. Yeah, and I, and I want to comment right. because that's it's so dangerous. If somebody is teaching you how to do something and calling it a gift of the Spirit, the danger there is that there are other religions that practice tongues. They, they will speak in this weird spiritual tongue, and they will get into a trance. And before they know it, they've channeled the Spirit, and they'll start flailing around on the floor sometimes. Uh, they'll start rolling around and doing strange things. Their eyes will roll back in their head. I mean, there's tons of videos on YouTube of Hindus and other mystical religions that do this. 
And that goes right back with John Crowder. That goes right into the John Crowder mystical school. They teach you these things. They teach you how to astral project. They teach you how to channel spirits. And they tell you that you're channeling the Holy Spirit. I mean, this stuff is demonic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it definitely is. I've seen those those kind of videos myself. And we we know one thing, brother, that the Lord does everything in order. You know, he ain't going to have me flail around barking like a dog or, or all the crazy things that, that I've seen. Oh, you've seen the, the you barking? That. You've seen the barking too? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm Pentecostal, man. We, we believe in holy rollers. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing in the aisles. I mean, you know, David danced. Uh, Oh, amen. You know, and um, when you're overcome with joy of the Lord, you're going to dance. You're going to shout. You're going to sing with praise. You know, I, oh, yeah, I've been I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I buried my family. I buried my friends <laughs> and I never cried. But brother, when I get in the presence of my Lord, amen. I cry. And, um, mm. you know, he's been he's been so good to me. He's done so much for me. My life has been conformed and transformed to the image of his son so that his son's ministry can be continued in this world. That's right. He he gave his life for me. I want to give my life for him. And, and that's what, that's what true Christianity is. It's given our life for God. It's given a, it's given him back what he's paid for. There ain't there ain't no halfway Christians. There's no fence straddling Christians. The devil owns the fence. You know, a person of God, I want to be as far away from that fence as I can get. You know, one of the things that, that we hear often, and we even hear this by, by Christian writers and bloggers, and they use this term, as a derogatory term, and it really is, and I appreciate the fact that it's it puts people's actions in question, but many people use the terminology, a cultural Christian. Oh, they're just cultural Christians. You know, and I don't really think there is such a thing. I don't really believe there, I mean, I don't mind using the terminology to refer to people who are selling out for the culture instead of the scripture, but the fact is, I don't really want to call them a Christian. I don't want to call somebody a cultural Christian because I don't believe you can be a cultural Christian. If you could... That would be like taking oil and water and being able to mix it. You know, oil and water totally separate. And Christianity and pop culture do not mix. I'm sorry, they they just don't mix. So if somebody is a quote-unquote cultural Christian, I would say that's worse than being on the fence. That's taking the name of Jesus and perverting it with culture. That's watering down the gospel. That's right, and there's and there's nothing that I hate more. You know, God's word says, "If you're a lover of this world, then you're my enemy." You know, I don't want to look at a TV or a movie screen that's glorifying the sin that hung my Savior and my King on the cross. I don't want to be no part of it. I don't want to be a part of the world's system that's bound for Christianity's ultimate demise. And that's what it is. This whole world from top to bottom, it's he, the devil is the Lord of this earth. He is the Lord of the air. He don't own me. 
and he don't own my heart anymore. The Lord gives us, gives us discernment to judge between the holy and the profane. And I just challenge the listeners that if your idea of grace makes holiness unnecessary, if your idea of grace allows you to be part of those things which murdered our Savior, if your idea of grace allows you to speak in a manner that's unbecoming of Christ, what you have is what this world has turned grace into. And we you were do warned. Not have biblical grace. Amen. We were warned by the Apostle Paul. We were warned about this type of grace teaching. Men will take grace and turn it into a license to sin. And that is not grace. Grace and mercy go hand in hand together, folks. I've told you this a hundred times, and I'm going to say it again. Grace is God giving us a gift that we don't deserve. Okay? Mercy is God not giving us the punishment we do deserve. And when we when we keep those two together and realize that God showers his grace and mercy upon us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you just remember it was your sin and my sin and Bruce's sin. It was our sin that yelled, crucify him, crucify him. Our sin yelled crucify louder than the mobs that day. It That's was, right. And I, and I don't want my voice to be crying that out today, brother. Amen. I want to be what he would have me to be. I don't want to play with those things, those things that killed him. I, I want to say this. And this is bold. I got the chills right now, brother Bruce. I'm just gonna say it. I got the chills. Like that. I'm. Amen, brother. Well, I got the goosebumps too. So come on with it. <laughs> when you when you have come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you have been convinced that grace is a license to sin, that you can just go out and and deliberately sin, sin, sin. No big deal. No big deal. Sin now, repent later. You know, it's like a credit card. I got my sinning credit card here. If that's your mentality, then I'm going to be so bold as to say this right now. Your lifestyle is yelling at the top of its lungs, crucify him, crucify him. You just remember that. When when I got up from under that altar, somebody somebody stayed down under there. The old Bruce Pepper died. The old nature died you know now am i tempted of course do i willfully do and say things once in a while that i shouldn't yeah i do but i'm i'm quick to repent of them and i and i feel and i feel horrible when i do those things amen i don't want i don't want to crucify the lord of fresh man i just want to be bruce pepper christian whether that means that I sit on the pew, I minister to the old folks in the nursing home, I go out and preach on the street, hand out some gospel tracts. If that's all it means, brother, it's a million times more than what I deserve. But on the other hand, brother, if the Lord wants me to set this world on fire with the gospel, I want to be in the place to be able to do that. 
And I ain't going to be able to be in that place when I got one foot in the world, one foot on the other side of the fence, while I'm trying to hold on to this world with one hand and trying to hold on to Jesus with the other. It don't work that way. He He don't use those men. He might use them for one thing or another. But he ain't going to use those men to glorify himself. You know, I just want to be what God would have me to be. I'm happy to to give my life for him, whether he wants me on a church pew or whether he wants me preaching to a million people. I just want to be faithful. And I just have to say, you know, we've said it already, but I want to say it again because it's important. We're not saying that you're going to live a perfect life sinless life okay we're not here telling you that you're never going to make mistakes i would be a liar if i sat here and said that i never make mistakes i make mistakes daily but the fact is the holy spirit within me convicts me when it happens i get pricked and when it happens i just i find myself instantly find myself instantly running and convict uh, running in conviction and repenting unto the lord instantly You know, and repenting is more than just saying, I'm sorry. You know, repenting is making that 180 degree turn in the opposite direction and fleeing the scene as quick as possible. You know, that's what I want to see with with all of our brothers and sisters. That's what I want to see. I want to see when you do commit a sin, when you do miss the mark, when you do make a mistake, or even if you deliberately do something because you fall into sin, repent. The Lord knows your heart. And if you're truly spirit filled, you're going to be pricked at the heart and convicted and you have to act on that conviction and then pray that the Lord gives you the strength to not give into those temptations anymore. He's got the power to save the the word power and speaking of God's power in the new Testament and the Greek, the word is dunamis. That same word. Amen. That same word is used for dynamite. That's the root word. That's the power of the God that we serve. Ladies and gentlemen, Man, that is just... You know, brother, I just wanted to just mention one more thing about this one world religion, one world system that's coming about right before our eyes. And um, there is, not that I find it hard to believe, but growing up the life that I've grown up, you know, an American with everything in the world basically handed to me. Um, It's hard to believe that, that it's coming to an end, but it is coming to an end. And it's these people in these churches that refuse to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. They're the ones that are going to be taking up the stones and busting you between the eyes and busting me between the eyes. It was the religious people that stoned Stephen to death, that chewed on him and mashed on him with their teeth. You know, it was those people that come, they drove him out. Where did they drive him out of? They drove him out of the temple. So that means they were in there. You know, they drove Jesus out of the temple to go drag him, throw him off the cliff. It's going to be the religious people the religious without any true discernment, without any true spirit of Jesus, you know, and it, and it boils down 
to basically this one, basically one scripture. And um, this is the plan of the devil. It's the plan of the one world religion and all of its many facets. You know, one world government. And, and it's John 16 and 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. They were in the synagogue. Yea, the time will come that whosoever killeth you will think that they're doing God a service. Mm. So them same people that were sitting in there in that old steam church, just give them some time. Just give them some time staying in that mess. And they're going to be the ones that put you out of the synagogue. They're going to be the ones this system is skewing them and warping them in every fashion. You know, we let our kids play these games where they kill each other for hours on end. We see men decapitated on the Internet. We see every form of violence against Christianity. And it's desensitizing America. That's right. It's desensitizing them to a point where it's going to be taking up that rock and smashing that woman's head in, you know, unless, unless we repent, unless we read the Bible for ourselves, unless we dig in, unless we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, all those zombies that were sitting inside that church that night, you know, I'm standing there preaching at the top of my lungs, standing right there in the middle of them, and they're so mesmerized by the demonic, they can't even turn their stinking head around. You know, they're so confused. They're so deceived. They're so deluded. And there's coming a day, you know, there's, so all them people, they heard me preaching and, you know, and 99.999% of them said that man's a lunatic. Well, that man may be a lunatic, but is what he said the word of God or is it not the word of God? I'm telling you, that was the word of God. They've seared their conscience to a point that it doesn't matter that it was the word of God. They would rather have a lesbian in a Pope suit with a rainbow feather boa praying in the name of all that's holy. And, and it's, it's demonic man from the very beginning. I just pray that God would shake them, that somebody here today wakes up and realizes this thing is real. Jesus is coming back. And where will I spend eternity? Amen. You know, and I just want to add one last verse to that. You know, the the scripture tells us, and I don't have it right here in front of me, but I'm just going to say this. Yes, sir. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish, but to those that are saved, it is the power of God. When we preach the cross to a perishing church, to a perishing people, they're going to look at his foolishness because it's not the cross that they want to hear about. That's not the cross they want to hear about. It's not the Jesus they want to hear about. 
Just like Paul said, there will come a time where they preach a different Jesus. That's what we're seeing right now. But I want to say this. Some of you listening are going to want to see this video. And if you go to YouTube, you can you can just type in the search bar. The title of the video, the official video, is Preacher Rebukes Joel Osteen in the Middle of Lakewood Church. Even though Joel wasn't there that day, and he was smart for not being there, <laughs> he was hiding away yeah. somewhere fancy probably. Uh, uh, it was it was on purpose. He's, he's, he's smart enough to keep his fingerprints off something like that. But it happened right there in his mega church and his mega temple. But the video, Preacher Rebukes Joel Osteen in the middle of Lakewood Church. And it was uploaded by a YouTube user under the name Repent Houston. You can find the video. It's had uh, over 150,000 views. Uh, the video was also uploaded on Facebook, had about the same amount of views. So over 300,000 people have seen this video, roughly. And it's, it's, it's continuing to grow. People are seeing this. And what these types of videos do is they encourage us to know that there are still people out there in different states who have not bowed their knee unto Baal. Just, oh, amen. Just like with Elijah. Elijah was upset with the Lord. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm the only one left in this nation. I'm the only one left who hasn't bowed a knee unto Baal. And the Lord said, nope. I've got many. I've got many out there who have not bowed a knee unto Baal. And when we see videos like this, when we hear radio programs like this, it's a reminder and it's also encouragement that there are others just like us who are out there who are not bowing unto Baal. So praise God for this. I, I just have to say I really appreciate um, having you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show tonight. And uh, I guarantee you that you've got people out there praying for your brother. And uh, I'm just so excited to see how things like this are going to work into convicting the body of Christ. Amen. We need to just be praying for revival, brother. That's right. If enough people get sick, if enough people um, will open their eyes, and enough people will, you know, enough people that are claiming Christianity would love Jesus enough to crack a Bible. You know, we can have revival. This this thing, I don't I don't know if the United States is able to be turned around from the point that we're at now, but I do know one thing: that God wants to pour His Spirit out. He wants to show Himself strong. He wants to show these men their sins. And if he's and and it's gonna take some people that are desperate. You know, it's gonna take some people that are more worried about people going to hell than than their own agendas. It's gonna take people desperate to pray and pray and pray and not quit. Brother, if I leave this world and I never see a revival, if I never see a true revival, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not going to quit. My pastor said something. He says, be up or be getting up. And um, I, may get, I may get knocked down spiritually from time to time, but I don't want to lose my focus. You know, this thing's drawn to an end. Um, we are at the beginning of the end. You know, there's been more Christians martyred in the last 10 years than in all of history. And um, just because 
they haven't come knocking on your front door yet doesn't mean that they're not coming. And um, I believe, I believe wholeheartedly we are going to see the coming of the Lord. That, you know, I'm not a very, I'm not a spring chicken or nothing. I just turned 45 years old. So I don't have a whole lot of time left on this earth. And I, and I, I just know for a fact, man, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I want to be ready when he comes. And, um, just everyone out there, pray for revival, pray that, pray that the Lord would stir desire for truth. Amen. Well, brother Bruce, I join you in that. And I'm, I'm very uh, excited to be able to, to put this show out and, it's cool to be able to do an exclusive interview with you. Um, the video is just done exceedingly well. It's, it's created a lot of buzz online. It's created a lot of dialogue and conversation with many people of different backgrounds. And um, I'm just I'm praying that the Lord will continue to use that video to wake people up and to just encourage people. But I'm also going to be praying for you and your ministry. I know God's got his hand on you. I know you've got a lot going on. And um, just I'm excited. I, I, sometimes words can't Thank even... You. Words can't even put my excitement out there and, and, and even describe it. But um, I just, again, I thank you so much for taking your time to come on the fourth watch tonight. And uh, I'm grateful to have you as a brother and as a friend. So I just want to say we thank you again for coming on. And uh, God bless you, brother. And I hope you have a great night. Me too. Good night. As I think about the modern church and the universalist movement and the way that they oppose the real Jesus of the Bible, I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. So let me take you there. Peter wrote this, Unto you therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Let me stop right there, and I want to break down verse 7 before we continue. The real Yeshua The real Jesus Christ of the Bible is precious to the real church. He is precious to the true followers of the word. But the disobedient people, whether they claim to be Christians or not, to those disobedient people, Christ is the stone that the builders refused. They reject him. They disallow him and his word. But their schemes won't stop his holy plan because Yeshua is made the head of the corner. The most valuable part of any structure is the cornerstone. It is the foundational stone in a building. And Peter was making this emphatically clear. But the builders who refused this cornerstone, the ones who don't allow him, they are the people who are teaching a different Jesus than the Jesus we read about in Scripture, the Bible. And the same goes for non-believers as well, because they reject the cornerstone who was God in the flesh who was sent by God the Father. How can you have a solid, strong structure without a cornerstone? But now we get to verse 8. And verse 8 goes on speaking of the relationship between the real Christ, the cornerstone, and the people who reject him. This is verse 8. Christ is made a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. You see, ladies and gentlemen, rejecting Christ leads to spiritual damnation. And this isn't my opinion or me being judgmental. This is the word of God right out of the scripture. 
please open your hearts to this imperative message tonight. Israel was an extremely unique nation. I'm sure many of you know this. They were different from any other ancient nation. The Bible explains that Israel had been intentionally picked by God to be the guardian of his word and even to proclaim his kingdom. The Old Testament records his supernatural and exponential care for Israel throughout centuries past. When we study the Old Testament, we see that the prophets of God spoke of the coming of the Messiah, and they even foretold Yeshua as the great deliverer, and much of Israel anxiously awaited the promised Messiah. But as we get into the New Testament, we see some surprising events in the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus Christ Yeshua, the Messiah, finally came and presented himself to Israel. And at his arrival on the scene, the religious leaders examined him meticulously, and they measured him in every way they possibly could. Here's where it gets interesting. Now pay attention to this. Upon their laborious examinations of Yeshua, he didn't fit their blueprint. You see, they expected a royal political messiah who was going to come in and instantly deliver them from the oppression of the Roman government. They totally ignored the need for a spiritual deliverer. So they refused and rejected him. They literally tossed him to the side like a builder would throw away a worthless rock. That cornerstone that they rejected is extremely precious to those who believe. But at the same time, that very cornerstone remains a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to unbelievers. Consider the term stone of stumbling just for a minute. What exactly is a stone of stumbling? It's a stone which someone trips on while they're walking down the road. What about this other phrase we see? A rock of offense. That's a rock that's large enough to crush someone. So what's the picture that we see here? When a person is walking in the ways of the world and they come across the real Jesus and they're unwilling to accept him and take him at his word, they will stumble and they will trip over him and they'll be bothered and even offended by his message. They will feel challenged by the truth of Messiah. But the question is, will a man be willing to submit to the ways of Messiah or will they reject him? Rejecting Christ, rejecting the Jesus of the Bible, brings spiritual demolition and brings spiritual devastation of enormous proportions. These are proportions that not only affect your life now, but they also affect your eternity. All who reject Christ do so in disobedience to the Word of God. Rebellion against the written Word, the Bible, will inevitably lead to rejection of the living Word, Jesus Christ Yeshua. Of such people, Peter spoke of something peculiar to which these rejectors were actually appointed unto in verse 8. So what exactly are the unbelievers appointed to? Those that reject the real Jesus were not appointed to reject him, but they were actually appointed to receive the judgment that their rejection requires. This is one of those things many people struggle with. And this is a frightening reality that should motivate you to take every opportunity to evangelize the lost world. Without Yeshua, people are appointed unto God's wrath, friends. But we have time right now as you're hearing this very broadcast. Let's take advantage of the time that we have 
to make things right with God and to share Christ with the unbelieving world. I just want to encourage you to take a moment to pray for your family and your friends who are rejecting Christ. I want to encourage you to ask God to tug at their hearts and to draw them in by His Holy Spirit and to grant them saving faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with people in your day-to-day lives. We don't realize how many opportunities that we miss on a daily basis. Even with those who have fallen into the modern lukewarm Christianity, pray that they would have their hearts convicted and that they would turn from the false church and run into the arms of the real Messiah. Pray for wisdom and discernment as you grow each day in the knowledge and saving grace of Jesus Christ Yeshua. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of His Word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one, and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. 
It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website, fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number 4-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T.com. Fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words Older Posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network.